Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks, our heroes are in Neverwinter, gathering resources and information to prepare to defeat a Yugoloth that is stalking Travancore. They have gone to the Royal Neverwinter Theater to a performance of Potions and Pride, an opera that is attended by many of the professors at the Neverwinter Academy where Jonathan has trained. There, they hope to schmooze with those who have access to powerful magic in order to gain the upper hand. After enjoying Act 1, and then speaking with Eniel Noroella to start to secure the training grounds that they want to use as a battlefield, the group have returned to their private box to watch Act 2. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I am just drinking juice and a lot of tea, because I live in Seattle and we're scared as shit. Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I'm playing Jonathan the Magimuscular. And tonight, I have a glass of a Cabernet Sauvignon. It is the Oak Leaf Vineyards. Um, it is the $6 bottle of Cab Sav from Walmart, and I picked it up for cooking, but I still had a bunch left over. Uh, I actually made a stew with it, and uh, it was very, very, very good. But there's still a bottle, half, about half a bottle left, and I'm going to fix that uh, over this recording. <laughs> and tonight's shot of Fireball to be consumed at the first casting of Fireball or the equivalent spell thereof is dedicated to a friend of the show, Casey, a.k.a. Regretta Garbo on many uh, social medias. Today Yay! is her birthday. Uh, she does not listen as to this. As of the recording of this. As of the recording of this, yes. I don't think she listens to the show, but uh, I believe a lot of us have told her happy birthday today. So mm -hmm. Church's wife. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we all have old Rooster old, Teeth nicknames. Old nicknames. Yes. My nickname has always been the same. Well, listen, as as a former oboe crazy, now just oboe, we'll, we'll go with Bernie. What are you drinking? Okay, so I, once again, I bought a thing based on what it looked like because it has this super cool, like, griffin on it. Whoa. Ooh. And oh, that is cool. This is another collective arts, but this is a limited release. And I want to tell you guys, I was at the Ottawa Bayview Yards, where Invest Ottawa is. And they have all of this, like, art from Collective Arts Brewery. And they were giving us a tour. And they're like, oh, and I was like, oh, my God, is that Collective Arts? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, I've had that beer and that beer and that beer. Because <laughs> it's all the can art, which is I think so amazing because it's all actual, you know, like artists that they're supporting. And I had to get this, A, because it looked so cool. And if you have looked on our stories, you'll find it there. Um, and if you are listening to this later, all of our beers get end up in our beer stories. So you can always see what we've drank in forever. Um, that was proper grammar. It's a blueberry <laughs> sour with cacao nibs. And I don't Ooh. know that I taste the cacao so much, but the blueberry sour is fantastic. And if you that have sounds the like something I would want to drink. Mm. That does sound really good. It tastes like a blueberry soda, basically. And I have it in my lovely Rooster Teeth uh, koozie, which I absolutely love and adore. And I got it RTX. Not last year, but I think the year before. Um, and as your friendly cleric, this is my PSA to you. I'm not a doctor, but there are many doctors who know a great deal. In fact, there are some doctors that are so doctory, they're called epidemiologists, and it's their whole job. And if you are feeling scared or you're feeling like you don't know the right information about what to do about COVID-19, you need to go to the CDC's website and you need to listen to what they're saying. Yep. Seek out real medical professional advice. Listen to doctors. Listen to people who whose job it is to combat this and don't decide that you are somehow immune. Don't put yourself in a higher situation. Please wash your hands. Please, you know, be aware that people who are considered vulnerable populations are not disposable populations. 
Um, just because it might not affect you doesn't mean real people who have real value are going to be hurt. So this is your friendly uh, fantasy doctor telling you, please go find a real one. <laughs> Thank you. As, as someone currently um, living in Seattle where a lot of people are scared. Yes. Yep. That is all true. Go see a doctor. For the moment, however, continue to listen to this podcast and enjoy a little relaxation because if you're quarantined, hey, baby, we got over 200 episodes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> listening to do. I have done all this audio editing for you because we love you. Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is Twinnings Black Pomegranate Delight Black Tea in the uh, Groom's Mug. Yay! And I put a... And I put a little bit of uh, Travancore forest honey in it. Yes, that's a real thing. So it's uh, raw honey that my mom got for me in India. And you got to read the back of this thing. This thing apparently – and we move right from – It's also on like, our Instagram stories in the D&DT section. Yeah. So we move right from uh, from earnest medical warning to from someone who comes from – who has a lot of relatives who are in the medical profession. Quack, quasi-quackery. Apparently this, this honey heals sore throat, cough, cold – Ulcers, stomach disorders, wounds, digestive, it's a heart stimulant, it's a disinfectant and an antiseptic, and it is a laxative. Although, it's a floor wax and a dessert topping. Although apparently, like... <laughs> Cure-alls, cure nothing. You know, I taste it. It tastes good. And I'm, it's honey is the one exception I'm allowing myself, the medicinal honey, for my otherwise avoiding sugar for the next, uh, I don't know, 40 days or, or whatever. And it's pretty yummy. Although the sad thing about tea, like when uh, you're doing D&D, is I'm on the rundown at some point to, to refill this because this is already getting a little bit lukewarm. Well, you know, it'll be totally worth it for you to go and get a refill because that's better than letting your tea go cold, which is usually what happens to me is it sits here and sits here and sits here. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I have tea. I totally forgot about the, the tea. <laughs> Carlton, what are you drinking? Uh, this is John, a.k.a. Carlton, and I have... Buy Bubbles Lambari Watermelon Lime, a low-sugar sparkling water that looks delicious. Mm. Also, I saw that you had food delivered. I did. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, quinoa couscous with uh, steamed broccoli and a salmon pinwheel. Damn. So. I'm impressed. Thumbs up to whoever uh, made that uh, for you. The broccoli was they a steamable bag, the quinoa couscous was a steamable bag, and then the salmon pinwheel was from the grocery store and the quick and ready meal section. Hey, All we have to do is put it in the oven. Put it in the oven and turn on the microwave. Nothing wrong with the quick and ready meals, actually. Uh, we definitely decided to make bolognese tonight, forgetting it had to simmer in total for an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, we'll wait an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, because like, between the time I get off work and then get home, it's not enough time to actually like cook a meal. So, you know, I do a quick and ready, and then Katie, my lovely wife, brings it while I'm recording. Aw. Because <laughs> she's you- good people. She is, and you, you are all her. good people, and you are all currently ensconced in a box with <laughs> with a lot of really good snacks that you procured at the beginning of the the opera. Just actually, just before it started, uh, you've been through Act One, you've talked to a couple people, and now you're about to settle in for Act Two of Potions and Pride. You do have a few minutes, or you've maybe got like. A minute or two before things are about to start up and you you're there with professor hollywood in this box is there anything anyone would like to do before the second act of the opera starts can you alert me (laughs) when we are at a moment in which everyone would be particularly engrossed sure okay are you looking for an emotional moment are you looking for a loud moment are you looking for distraction distraction is what we're going for okay here's what we'll do i will do my best in the description of the second act to highlight because there there could potentially be several of these moments depending on your definition of distraction i will highlight those moments and i will Try not to continue to talk when you interrupt me to say, Bernie thinks this would be a good time too, because I have a sense Bernie thinks a distraction is in order to do something. Bernie is going to sit next to Carlton. Okay. But on the side where Carlton's not blocking her view. Okay. Because you know how the box seats are always angled. They're a little angled, yeah. So Carlton is going to continue to enjoy his uh, raisins despite the, all the hate he was getting. And you know what? These are mine. It's my moment, and I don't care what you think. Okay. The lights dim 
Unless there's, was there anything Jonathan or Travancore wanted to do, or were you just going to sit and enjoy? On remem- uh, Go ahead, Jonathan. Well, I was just going to say that Jonathan the Medge Muscular is going to continue to try and enjoy his super expensive champagne, sipping it as slowly as he possibly can. <laughs> Perfect. And Travancore? Travancore was going to take a moment to look around to see if he could find a plaque or anything that goes into the history of the Royal Neverwinter Theater, because Royal implies there's a royal family in Neverwinter, and he wants to sort of get some inside info about, like, you know, what, who the royal family of Neverwinter is, how this kingdom works. There's nothing in the box that you know of. You think that if there would be any information like that, it would be probably out in the lobby or... If you do ask Professor Wood, she says... Darling, there really isn't a royal family here. There's, um, it's more complicated than that. Uh, this, this might be a more of a holdover from earlier times. We'll, we'll find you the history, but uh, rest assured, you're not going to find a king and queen here. Fair enough. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. I'm always interested in diving into history, but uh, for now, I think Act Two is about to start and you all settle in and the lights dim. And once again, the stage, <laughs> the stage is set. I'm going to give a quick rundown of what happened the last time in Act 1. Because I already gave a quick rundown of what happened in, in Dungeon Drunks. So why not also the opera that's happening inside Dungeon Drums? Dungeon Drunks. Last time so really on quick, opera. Last time on <laughs> opera, opera. <laughs> last time on Dungeon Opera. So you basically got three characters that are in, that are the main characters in this. There is Adina who is a more wealthy noble. There is Nemi, who is a slightly more poor peasant girl. Uh, The two of them are longtime friends who are both in love with each other, but for different reasons have not wanted to proclaim their love. There is uh, Sergeant Garridan, who is a friend of both of theirs and kind of innocently caught up in the middle. The sergeant has brought Adina to a party, a ball that's happened that night. Nemi got distraught and was taken advantage of by a potion seller to buy a little tiny potion of what he says is a test drink of a love potion, which basically got her drunk. She showed up to the party. She thinks that it works, but that it ran out before she could talk to Adina and now has fled the party to go try to buy more of this love potion to get Adina to fall in love with her. And as we come back into Act 2, it's a few hours later, and... The stars have come out and the courtyard where the potion seller is empty, except for Nemi, who is nursing what is obvious to those of us in the audience know as a hangover, as she is singing a sad song about how she is trying to come up with the rest of the money to buy the love potion. She had very little on her and used up a little bit in order to buy this this tincture. And as she is singing this, Garden shows up, the sergeant. This is the part where she talks about she wants it to go ahead and entice her love. But what he hears is that she is pining for money. And so he suggests joining the royal army. Uh, she'll receive a stipend on the spot and an advance. And he sings this exciting song, obviously enthralled with the idea of a friend of his joining what he thinks is a very noble profession and tries to excite Nemi with tales about military life. And it's mostly a solo for him as he talks about stories of past triumphs and and heroic deeds that they've done, everything from saving townsfolk from, from horrible random acts of violence to defending the entire city from invading armies. Can I ask a question? Okay. Does it sound like, hey, it's great to be back in the army? (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit of that. It's it's he's for which you never pay. It's a little more upbeat and exciting and patriotic, but yeah, it's it's got a very military cadence to it. And every once in a while, Nemi sneaks in uh, singing, not to the sergeant, but to us, and where she's thinking about. Going through with this to get the money so she could buy the potions so she can win back Adina. And so finally, when Garadin produces the contract, Nemi signs and is this more is than happy to. Shit. <laughs> 
Well, as far as Garden as far as Garden is concerned, he's doing a good thing for her. He doesn't know what she's trying to do. She signs, gets the money, and immediately heads off. But the sergeant, as she leaves, is left on stage for a moment and is actually a little concerned. He thinks that she signed up a little too fast for having never shown any interest for wanting to join the royal guard and so as happy as he is to have a friend join him in what he thinks is this amazing profession he thinks twice about her recent anger and outbreak and decides to follow her and the scene shifts as we find nemi has found the potion buyer who has moved to a different location and so she approaches and buys the potion from him using the last of these funds that she has procured. Uh, and the potion seller is super happy and runs off. And at this point, the sergeant reappears and tries to convince Nemi that using a potion to make someone fall in love with you is wrong. And that everything that Nemi has heard about if there's anything going on with the sergeant and Adina is is a mistake, that they're only good friends, and that, you know, you should you should think twice about using magic for something as important as love. And Nemi's a little depressed and maybe still a little hungover and kind of sulks and gives non-committal answers. And so the sergeant leaves her alone. And in this moment uh, Nemi sings what some of you know is the famous aria from this this opera. This is the sad, pensive aria about how how much she wishes she could see Adina smile again. How all she wants is to be near her love, and how she would do anything to to be with her again. The song ends to great applause. And then... Like, real long applause? Oh, yeah, this is the bravo moment. This is the song that everybody has come for. This is the song where people are standing up applauding. Yes, this is this is that moment in where uh, the actress playing Nemi is on stage, and and, and you've met this this uh, woman. This is Salusa Jim, the dwarf who came and visited you before the opera started. And this is the moment where she's supposed to look pensive and sad and distraught, and has just unleashed all of her feelings into what this character thinks is the ether. And yet the entire audience is standing on their feet, cheering and screaming and yelling because it's been this gorgeous song. Is our box standing and cheering, everyone? Professor Wood definitely has. It's up to the rest of you whether you would like to. I think Jonathan the Magimuscular would take the cue. I, I, I don't know. Is there is there an opera appreciation check that he can do? Or a saving throw? Or a, Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to look at Wood and kind of follow her lead. She is standing and applauding. She is she is applauding enthusiastically. She is not. There are people in the audience on the main floor who are yelling "Brava!" and other things. Uh, she is not yelling anything, but she is definitely applauding with gusto. I think Jonathan the Magimuscular, because we've we've established previously that Jonathan the Magimuscular is not a fan of musicals, but I feel like he's taking a turn here. And maybe it's the super expensive champagne, or maybe the <laughs> fact that he's been he's been stating that he has hated musicals, but really, you know, it's it's something that he's actually enjoyed. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to fail whatever compulsion saving throw is keeping him in his seat, and will also rise and applaud. Okay, Bernie would like to do a sleight of hand check on the chocolate covered raisins. Okay, well, let me find out. <laughs> <laughs> let- with that, okay, so Travancore, what are you doing in this moment? Ignoring anything going on with the raisins because I have no interest in them. Okay, but have you stood to join the applause? Or are you still seated? I think I'm still seated. I actually did let the dice decide. I rolled like a charisma kind of like saving throw kind of check thing. And I probably rolled it wrong, but I, I rolled a 17. So I think I'm just hanging out my seat. What's our what's our seating chart? It's whatever you would like in this moment. Yeah, I'll say I'm sitting towards the front. Well, you established that you're so probably the closest, like if the box is perpendicular to the stage, the closest seat to the to the stage would probably be Bernie. I, I figure we probably are in height order. No, Bernie's sitting next to Carlton. Well, you had already said you wanted to be next to Carlton. So maybe Bernie is first, then Carlton, 
then Travancore, or then Jonathan, then Travancore, then Professor Wood. Because I know how Tra- Travancore probably would have tried to get that seat next to Professor Wood. Yeah, I probably would have. I like this order. <laughs> so, okay, so Travancore stays, is remains seated. Jonathan has stood. Uh, Carlton, what are you doing? I said I was following uh, Wood's cue, so if she's standing and applauding, so am I. Um, and my passive perception is 16. Okay, it's good to know. So, Bernie, are you seated or standing when you do this? Bernie stands up on her chair, because if I stand up. <laughs> but what that also does is that also means instead of having to be, like, body to body, everyone else is in front of their chair. She's on her chair. So she can okay. reach down, grab shit. All right. Re- reach down to snack town. <laughs> Give me a sleight of hand check. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Oh, dear. All right. With an eight, describe what you're trying to do. Bernie was trying to take the raisins off of Carlton and plant them on literally anyone. So, are okay. they mixed, mixed into, into the popcorn. popcorn? Yeah, they're mixed yes. into the popcorn. She goes for the empty box. <laughs> Forgetting <laughs> they were mixed in with his popcorn. I love it. Carlton, Bernie's hand's in your pocket. <laughs> Uh, I look at her and I said, Bernie, we had a conversation about touching people before. And she goes, raisins are shameful. If I'm not allowed to have my puff. Really loud around the time the applause is dying down. Wait, do I hear her say that? (laughs) Raisins are shameful. Absolutely all of you hear her say that. that. Without turning around, I say she's right. So half the audience is now looking at our box. Uh, I need to roll a quick check <laughs> and this is how we get something. thrown out of the opera everybody. yeah no professor wood doesn't notice she is entranced by the performance thank so. god for the transcendental metanoic power of the opera and the arts exactly you you can thank you can thank the amazing aria that you just heard um would anybody like to do anything else the, the applause is starting to die down bernie's gonna pull out a pack of cacao nibs that she bought and she's gonna eat them <laughs> angrily and aggressively at carlton <laughs> Okay. I put out a hand like, may I have some? Those look good. Can I? May I? She's going to put one cacao nib in his hand, <laughs> which for her is like picking up a Hershey kiss. And <laughs> oh, not bad. A little crunchy. I like it. And I put my hand out for more. She's going to put two more in his hand. The sweet and the salty and the chewy, it all goes really well. It's a whole play on flavors and textures. Old people skin, Carlton. They're like, they're like eating old people skin. It is That's at this a personal point. feeling on raisins, by the way. <laughs> well, how do you know what old people's skin tastes feels like? I, that was my I question. I have an assumption based on wrinkles per square inch. So you assume it old people taste like raisins? No, I assume their texture is similar to raisins. <laughs> they probably taste like jerky. Let's be honest. The the applause has died down, and Professor Wood, uh, your all of your passives pick up the glare she is sending your way as you continue to talk as the next and song is queuing up. I like butt down immediately in the chair as soon as I catch her glance. Like, Jonathan, down. Jonathan the Magic Muscular does as well. He he's like once again back to class and like. <laughs> you can't tell if I'm sitting. What does it matter? And it's this is less about the sitting or the standing and more the the, the discussions about eating old people during the <laughs> opera. Imagine a some sort of median between pork rinds and beef jerky. Must we? No. I, I to say no, this is Dungeons and Dragons. You can do whatever you want and you can say no to whatever you want. So ladies and gentlemen, tonight we'd like to announce the uh, the change of our podcast name from Dungeon Drunks to Dungeon Cannibals. Eating the old ones first. Nope. Nope. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the rich ones taste the best. Oh, they've got a they nice marble. Like marbleizing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what have I done? Okay, we're going back to the opera. You know, I'm just happy it took 200 plus episodes for us to get to the nuanced, long conversation on cannibalism. I just, so okay. Garadin has gone off <laughs> and told Adina what's going on. And we realize this as you've all had this discussion and been a little bit distracted, but you are drawn back into the opera by Adina storming on stage, angry and distraught and hitting high notes that you didn't think people could hit. Ooh, like Mariah Carey. She is, she is 
shown up in the way that sopranos do when they're angry which is lots of high notes she finds nemi who is still seated in and amongst where the the market stalls have closed down and there's this moment in where she's going to she's going to rush onto the 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 portion of the stage where nemi is but realizes that despite her high notes nemi has not noticed her yet and so she hides behind some bushes. Nemi has pulled out the bottle and sings about her fears of being rejected, about how she's afraid that despite the fact that she truly loves Adina, that Adina really doesn't love her, and how this could be the answer to this situation. But then also realizes that the sergeant has spoken the truth that using the potion is a betrayal of that trust that if she uses it not only is it not the right thing to do but she'll never really know whether adina really loves her she'll always believe that it's just the magic in the potion bottle and that it's it's never gonna feel good it's never gonna feel right and so she stands up and in a moment in where she is singing the same angry notes that Adina was singing moment, moments ago, except now she is, instead of them being angry, she's singing them with this resolve, with this absolute certainty that this is the right thing to do. She smashes the potion bottle onto the ground. And in this moment, as the orchestra swells, as she has made this decision to go with what her heart says to do and what she knows is the right thing to do, there's these fireflies that race out from amongst the bushes to circle the liquid that's on the ground and drink from them. And then, affected by the magic, they begin to dance in the air, which, of course, is probably some, some very good fairy fire being employed at this moment. But it looks magical. And as this, as the whole stage is lit up with these twinkling lights of these little tiny fireflies, Adina comes forward and asks if everything that she's heard is true. And Nemi goes up to her and takes her hands and says the three words she was told to say when she was told, drink the potion and say these three words. And the person that you want to fall in love with you will fall in love with you. Except now she's smashed the potion bottle and she still says the words, I love you. And Adina apologizes for using the sergeant to snub her friend, but admits that she was angry and that they had always danced around each other as friends, but now is overjoyed to finally hear the person that she loves return that love. And she also says, I love you. And they embrace and they sing about ex how exciting it is that they're going to have a future together. And Adina offers to go talk to the sergeant to rip up the contract. You didn't have to do this. Uh, we can talk to him. He's a good friend. He'll do this. And Nemi says, no, she's going to fulfill this contract. That's this sounds like a, an opportunity for her. This sounds exciting and interesting. And Adina pledges to support her as they move into this new portion of life with each other. And that as the orchestra swells again and the fireflies dance and you hear an ethereal chorus supporting these two as they now pledge to go forward in, in a new part of their lives in love and the curtain falls and it is a happy ending after all. Trevor will stand and clap for this. And there is standing and clapping. Eventually, the curtain rises once again as the orchestra plays the exit music as all of the players come on stage and bow. You recognize the uh, the couple of, of people that you've been introduced to. Um, the conductor is pulled onto stage. There's cheering. You see people are throwing, uh, in the first couple of rows, people are throwing flowers onto the stage. Mostly roses, but a couple of other flowers. And uh, after hearty opening night applause, the, the lights finally go up, the music stops, and everyone starts to get up from their seats. And with fresh unabashed tears in her eyes of joy, Professor Wood stands up and says, oh, that was everything I'd hoped for. 
And now let's go have cheese and wine. Oh, yes. Cheese and wine. Ooh. Cheese and wine. Are you looking for a great story? Do you love Star Wars? Do you like podcasts? If you said yes to any of these, check out the Redemption Podcast. Well, I have less in my head than you do normally, probably. You haven't met the crew I'm with. Pretty much everywhere we go, our life is in danger. Things didn't explode. That's pretty sneaky for us. That sounds horrible. Yes, please finish up whatever underhanded thing you're doing on the computer terminals at the Jedi Temple. Check out Redemption Podcast at www.redemptionpodcast.com. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Beyond Heroes, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on March 22nd at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. E C H O C O D A T R O P. So use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. And now let's go have cheese and wine. Oh, yes! Cheese and wine! Cheese and wine. And she leads you out of the box and through some hallways towards what feels like the back of the stage and eventually you come to what must be a rehearsal room it's it's just kind of a a very large undecorated room with some mirrors along one wall and a whole bunch of stacked chairs and music stands and other paraphernalia for an opera house but they've been stacked over on the side and a couple of tables have been placed out with fresh cheese and bread and more wine and there are some servers floating about in very fancy dress with silver platters also offering some some light snacks and professor wood says so We'll have a chance to meet a, a couple of the performers. You've you've already met uh, Salusa, but hopefully, hopefully uh, Sebastian will come as well, and a few of the others. The, the conductor might even come by. But uh, we have a few moments here. If there was anyone else you wanted to talk to about, you know, things, but uh, there will be a lot of other people around, so you will have to be cautious. We're we're not alone. And as you look around, you can see that most of the other boxes have emptied out into this area. And, and in fact, you do recognize, let me look her up, Eniel Noruella, who you spoke to earlier, the divination wizard, who is you're going to be talking to tomorrow. She said, come in first thing and we'll talk. You do notice her with a, a small group of friends from her box are also there. Was there anyone you wanted to try to speak to at the soiree? Can you go over the list of people again? Sure. So you know for a fact some of the other professors that are here. There is Jeffrey Trugust, who is the... He's the human wizard who actually transported you from the from the mine. Severe gentleman. He's the professor and head of the evocation department. Jonathan, you, you know that he's incredibly talented, but he is serious to a fault and a little severe. But he is... If you want something destroyed, he's the man to do it. Right. He was none too pleased when I decided to not join, get a commission in an army, and go off on my own. Exactly. Um, there's Anestis Mist Splitter. Uh, she is a professor of illusions that is there. She is, uh, you notice her off to the side. She's actually seated and is holding on to this beautiful walking cane of hers that she's just got next to her. And she's amicably chatting with a couple of people. Uh, and there's also Hestwise Elekin Isadora Clorana. 
who is a the gnomish wizard that Bernie you had been excited to talk to. She's the head librarian of the Neverwinter Academy, and she's the one who she doesn't necessarily know anything herself. But Jonathan has informed you that. She's the person who knows all the other people. She's the person who knows how to find the information that you need. So the first two are kind of righteous wizards in their own right. And the third one that you haven't talked to yet is the person who could tell you who to go to about pretty much anything. So depending on the information you want to know or what you're trying to get out of tomorrow when you go back to the Neverwinter Academy to make some deals, who would you like to speak to? Let's talk to the lady who knows everyone. Also a gnome. But Bernie knows the only person that knows everybody is also Jonathan. So she's like looking at Jonathan and like looking at the other gnome. She's like. There are a couple of other gnomes here, but Jonathan has pointed out these three specific people. So you know who they you can uh, recognize who they are. Well, if you want to. Well, I'm sorry. What was the librarian's name again? Hestwise, Elegan, Isadora, Clorana. Could you put that in the chat, please? I can, I can do that. I will put that whole big long name in the chat. There we go. Long name. I'm proud of that Thank name. you. I've probably said it Ooh, differently uh, every oh, time I've pronounced it, and that's my prerogative as a DM. I feel like if there's a choice between what letter like can make that sound, I always write it down as one and you write it down as the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the game that I play in one of our home games. Whenever the DM is like, hey, here's this new NPC, we pause, everyone tries to spell the name, and then the winner doesn't get anything except pride, but it, it's always a fun game. So many apostrophes and H's <laughs> and Y's. I am not a fan of gratuitous apostrophes. So listeners at home, there are no apostrophes in any of these names. And at this point, also, uh, Professor Wood has left you to talk to whoever it is that you want to. And she has gone over where you see a couple of the the stars have walked on in. And you see both Salusa and the gentleman playing Sergeant Garridan, uh, so the, the Sebastian she's been talking about, have walked on in. And she's gone to greet them. So she's kind of left you to go talk to whom you wish or nobody you could just enjoy the party and on, call sorry. it an evening <laughs> sorry yeah. sorry okay. uh i would like to talk to well I, i'm gonna kind of saddle, saddle up to bernie and say all right i say we talk to the librarian and and professor true uh who do you want oh oh the librarian i don't want to talk to professor her uh professor Boardface. okay um you see jonathan kind of gulp and be like, all right, no, I got this. I got this. Is he, he's not that scary. He just looks boring. Uh, he's just not. Oh, so, you're going to split up? And is this what's going on? I think so. Okay. I'm just going to kind of like, kind of lean into Bernie and be like, so right before I graduated, Professor Trugust had me all set up for an interview with the army of Impeltier. Uh, and, you know, other other nations around the uh, Thesk. And uh, around the Sea of Fallen Stars, uh, they 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 come and recruit mages for their army. And he's all set, you know, officers commission, the whole shebang. He had talked me up a lot to these guys. And I never took the interviews. I decided to go off on my own. And uh, that was actually where I first encountered uh, Travancore. And we we ended up at a at a wedding. It was right after that. So I was... Uh, Oh my! Oh we did no. not leave on good terms. That's why he's been a little. I mean, he's always like that with everyone. So it's it's actually kind of hard to tell whether he still holds a grudge. I mean, I, 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 it wasn't like I was some superstar protege. I mean, he was someone that I think like put put his neck out to get some of these interviews, and I just you know I I I, I was kind of an ass. And Jonathan the Magimuscular regrets the way he made those decisions but not not necessarily decisions that were made just that his uh i wouldn't say his feelings got hurt but jonathan the magimuscular maybe thinks uh he just was rude but i jonathan the magimuscular doesn't know how much but 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 you know what okay no. jonathan so the magimuscular wanna, you want me to come with you i can come with you you know like <sighs> Yeah, maybe yeah. we should do that. Yeah, I'll come okay. with you. I'll come with you. It's fine. Thank you. It'll be okay. fine. Cool. Jonathan the Muscular is, and he takes 
The he narrator grabs- says it was not going to be fine. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan the Grand Magic Muscular grabs a passing glass of wine and literally does this. Oh, 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 that's not. Oh, Jonathan the Magic Muscular is good. All right, let's do this. All right, so Bernie and Jonathan have had this talk. All four of you are there, and they're starting to head towards uh, Professor Jeffrey Trugust. How about the other two of you? Are you joining them? Are you staying together? Or are you splitting off? You do know you have a limited amount of time, but that Jonathan might be your your in to a lot of these people. Yeah, Carlton would fuck up any interactions of trying to get people to help our cause when he doesn't know them and they don't know the Carlton charm that he has. Besides, <laughs> his breath smells like raisins. <laughs> you mean his we breath can't smells have like old that. people. That's like a diplomatic faux pas right there, right? Exactly. So Carlton's going to go with the group. And Travancore? Travancore is actually going to hang out on his own. He's going to make a small talk with people around about the history of the hall, because he's very curious about the construction of it and the name. Okay. Roll me either a persuasion or a performance check. One of the two. Whichever one you want. Oh, persuasion. Definitely persuasion. Let's see here. Just, Just to see how successful you are getting people to talk to... A random person. 23. Nice. Uh, Yeah, over the next couple of minutes, as your three friends go off to go speak with Jeffrey Trugust, you mingle successfully. And uh, the history of this hall is actually ends up being a fairly popular topic because the Royal Neverwinter Academy is an honorific title. It is a, or not Academy, the Royal Neverwinter, oh, jeez, why, why, why brain, why brain? Theater is an honorific title, you find out, that it is a, a newer construction. And by newer, they mean like in the last 15 years or so. It is a building that was originally destroyed when so much of Neverwinter was destroyed when the, the volcano exploded. And it's taken a while to be rebuilt. The arts weren't necessarily something that was a priority to Lord Neverember or anybody in the city. But once things come down a little bit, once once the basic necessities of life were being taken care of, the urge to get the arts back came back. And so the the name of the Royal Neverwinter Theater is a little bit of a snub at Lord Neverember and the ruling constabulatory because this was funded by the people themselves. This is why tickets are free, but people are expected to pay what they can for drinks and food and to and and people of wealth are expected to be literal patrons because this is a theater for the people. This is not something that is put on by the nobility. So you find out that a lot of the people here at this little soiree, they are some of the the more affluent members of the Neverwinter Society, who, um, some with more obvious pride than others, some with a little more humility, but all of them are fairly proud because they see this as a a creation of the city and the people of the city itself and not something that Lord Neverember had decreed. It's quite a bit. And, and Travancore says something to the people to the effect of, you know, Royal can be more than just a family. It's a mindset. It is a responsibility. And the people of this town have met their responsibility to the arts. Cheers. And he raises a glass. Cheers. That is an answer that makes a lot of people very happy. The three of you walk off to Professor Trugast, who is, true to his nature, standing stiffly over by the corner being a wallflower. He sees you coming, obviously, and makes very severe eye contact with all of you. As you enter into comfortable speaking rage, he nods cordially to all of you and says, Hello again. Professor? Did we get introduced to him? It was a very brief, when he arrived to transport you from the mine to Neverwinter, it was the briefest of Professor Wood's introductions. He complained about getting his his boots getting wet. That was pretty much it. And and Bernie says, perf- "Oh, your toes look so dry." I would hope so. Can I help you with anything? Not at all, Frostbitten. Uh, so, Professor, 
Uh, I just, real quick, I've had some time to reflect on how we left things, and uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular just really wants to apologize for any any misunderstandings that may have been my fault, or uh, I, I know you you arranged for some things for me, and it's taken me a while to appreciate your efforts on Jonathan the Magimuscular's part, uh, and your your tutelage has helped has helped Jonathan the Magimuscular become a much more effective uh, wizard and uh, protector of his friends. Roll a persuasion check. As Jonathan says this, the two of you watch, uh, this gentleman's face does Uh, not change at all. I am going to use a point of luck. As Jonathan says this, Bernie goes, oh God, are we doing this? I've only used, so I think I haven't used any today. I know you've at least used one. Okay, so I've got one more left. Okay. So let me let me just actually just mark that off real quick. Uh, but that is going to make things significantly better. Uh, that is going to be 14 on the die. Let me just bring up my sheet. Uh, 17 total. Okay. He regards you and his face remains impassive this whole time. Not angry but he certainly does have resting anger face for sure so it's it's easy to read into his a a little bit it's it's more severe than anything else he nods at you and says we all do dumb things when we're young don't we verily i still do dumb things oh uh professor this these are Two of uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular's colleagues. This is uh, Carlton Tanks and Bernice Q. Burns. He nods at both of you and says, it is good to get your full names. I know this morning was fast, so it's good to meet you. Did you enjoy the opera? Oh, yes, it was wonderful. Surprisingly so. It is an emotional event filled with much joy and mirth. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to kind of like, like, kind of rock on his heels a little bit uncomfortably, just kind of like, so, um. Do you like the opera? Bernie's going to look and be like, oh my god, this is, this is tanking. This is tanking. And she's going to be like, do you, are, do you go to, do you go to many operas? Yes, I come as often as possible. Oh, a particular passion of yours? One could say so, yes. The whole time, super impassive, still kind of resting anger face. No change in his demeanor, in his tone, nothing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm working on uh, uh, meteors, uh, you know, the, the swarm of meteors. He's, he uh, is? Not, not there yet, but, but I'm, I'm, I, can, I can do a lot of good with my fireball. Uh, I'm, my fire is blue now, and Jonathan the Magimuscular gently... Ignites his hand. And uh, Bernie gently a puts little. a hand and she reaches up and she goes, No, um. No, no, this, this is just a. This just a demo. So, uh, do you have a favorite opera? I have many. I'm right, a fan well, of most of the classics, mostly of the romances or of the, the comedies, not so much of the tragedies. No, I didn't take you for a, a tragedy kind of guy. I prefer my entertainment to be lighthearted and joyful. I would imagine, given your line of work, you would. You know, it's very nice. We don't, we don't really get to do things like this very often anymore. So this has actually been quite nice. I mean, the last time we got to do something like this, we were at a horse race and a whole bunch of basilisks tried to kill everyone. So it's just one of those things where I'm expecting, you know, uh, a manticore to come crashing, you know, through through the stage at any given point in time. I mean, there was the opera house in Neverwinter that would have literally been blown up that we were were investigating. Remember that? Oh, that was the last time we were at the opera house. Yeah, that was the last time we were at an opera house. Can't believe I didn't didn't think of that until just now. I know. (laughs) That was, um, didn't get to actually see anyone perform, but we did get to investigate some murder. 
Jonathan the Badge Muscular grabs another thing of wine and literally does this. Bernie realizes all she knows is death and grabs <laughs> a glass of wine as well. Then for our listeners, what is this that you're doing? Um, I was hoping to get some good mouth and drinking noises, but I just finished my glass of wine. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate the mouth and drinking noises. I, no problem. <laughs> um, no problem there. The whole time, Jeffrey Trigas has continued... He does not have a glass of wine. He is empty-handed. Uh, he's almost at kind of a, a weird military parade rest. He's got his his hands clasped behind him. Not super formal, but he is not fidgeting. He is regarding each of you as you speak with full attention, eye contact in the whole nine yards, nodding ever so slightly at some of the things that you're saying, but in that way of, yes, I am continuing to engage and listen with what you're saying, but is not actively jumping in to fill in the uncomfortable silences. And so as the two of you prattle on uh, and, and continue to talk, Carlton, what are you doing? That is a good question. Jonathan the Metromuscular is like <laughs> super fidgety and he's like doing things like drumming the, the his glass with his fingers. So like, Carlton is like in this situation with Jonathan and Bernie and like he's kind of just feeling... A little awkward and out of place, like with what's going on. So he kind of like just looks around, and then like as they're engaged in conversation with him, he's just gonna slowly like <laughs> homer into the bushes out. Fuck this then, shit like, I'm out, <laughs> and then go find Travancore. Can I do a passive percept? Can I do a perception check out of the corner of her eye? Bernie wants to grab him, and you know what? Him back. I think it's only fair that. Before Bernie got to do a sleight of hand against Carlton's passive, I think we're going to do the reverse. Carlton, I want a a stealth check, and we'll check it against Bernie's passive. Wait, how Ooh. was your passive perception a, a 16, 16, and mine's only a 15? Because I'm proficient in perception? Did I not take... No, I took persuasion. Eh. That makes sense. Sure All right, enough. give me a stealth check, Carlton. 21! <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bernie, like, looks over her shoulder, and he's gone, and she sighs alongside, and she says, So, I hear that you were Jonathan's professor. I am incredibly interested to know what that's like. He was an apt student, but too fond of fire. I tried to convince him to broaden his horizons. Well! certainly... Not all of us are proficient in persuasion. As is evident, he is a powerful wizard. Thank you, Professor. Carlton, you've managed to sneak away. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm going to go find Travancore. <laughs> I'm like, uh, let's, let's go. He's, Travancore's like in the middle of people like, you know, just he's the toast of the party at this point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Bernie's over here yanking out teeth one by one with, <laughs> with a dull pair of pliers that's rusted <laughs> over. And Travancore's yep. like, oh, I like this building. And everyone's like, oh my God, <laughs> let me tell you about this building. And he's like, wine and they're like yes please yeah and we're gonna go, we're gonna have capital m multi-class con- convention over here <laughs> just like in the real world yep travancore you're you're joined by carlton as as yeah you it's less that you are surrounded by people and more that you are you are obviously welcomed into any of these social circles as people have noticed that you have been entertaining in other social circles. So it's it's become obvious in this small room as you circle and talk that you are very good at at this kind of social atmosphere and being pleasant and in- entertaining and inquisitive. And so every time you and you know exactly when to extricate yourself from one group to move with deft ease over to another and everyone is super happy to see you and so when Carlton joins you they're just as happy to see him as they are you and continue to talk about whatever you want to talk about yeah so I introduce uh my my friend my my comrade in arms my brother Carlton Tanks hello I am Carlton Tanks uh this is my brother my comrade in arms Travancore You two are such a pair. This is what we we call ourselves the capital M multiclassers. Yeah, we are team good at foosball. 
Team good good at foosball, yes. Foosball? I haven't played that in years. And as you continue to talk about this, we're going to switch back to <laughs> Bernie, Jonathan, and uh, Professor Trugust, who continues to impassively look at all of you. And after a long moment of awkward pause, says, is there anything I can help you with? Oh, yes. Thank so, God. So, yeah. Um. 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 Do you want me to do this? Yes, please. Yes, please. Thank you. We can agree that this was not good for any of us. Yes. I don't know what you're referring to. Oh, well, that's... You know what? Actually... (laughs) And Bernie's just sitting there like... And she's like... Some people, Bernie, give me an insight check. Yeah, Bernie would like to figure <laughs> gonna, this out. I'm going to massage yeah. this a little bit for you. Yeah. <laughs> I keep Sorry we've been we making this terribly tools. awkward, but uh, this is my design. No, no, this no, is no. exactly how it should be. That was an eight. Okay, you think this guy is just the most boring person on the planet. Jonathan, and, and also you're a little distracted by Jonathan, who is just too caught up in his own memories to be able to form a coherent sentence without some wine. He has left open this is there something i can help you with uh, what would you like to say me or jonathan uh, bernie you okay uh, jonathan's like halfway through glass number three in this conversation yeah jonathan has ummed 10 times and then down another glass of wine bernie's reaching up and grabbing the glass and taking it from him <laughs> jonathan doesn't even resist at all like he just he just kind of like gently lets go she's like new york echo new york echo new york echo <laughs> Uh, which is a story I will tell you guys later, but it's uh, a code. It's the code name for, oh my God, you have to stop. <laughs> Listen, if we promise to just walk away now and bring this to this whole thing to a halt and come back to see you tomorrow to talk a little more frankly with a little less ears, would you be willing to do that? Because we need your help. Okay. Do you have time in the morning? Yes. Jonathan yes. Imagine must gonna just be. And Bernie's, yes. Bernie's gonna time. hold up a hand and go, um, what's your definition of morning? You look like a five AM guy. Anytime before the noon lunch bell. Yes, exactly. Yes. We, have uh, we have time. We have time. Jonathan the Magic Muscular just he, he might as well be under like a dominate monster at this point. He's just like, yeah, we, we have time. Anytime. Right, Bernie? Bernie, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Well. You so, seem like a brunch guy. Do you like brunch? Not really, no. I like to have something to eat in the morning before I get up and then take my afternoon lunch. But then I have the whole morning free for office hours. I'm kind of imagining Captain Holt a little bit from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'm getting Sam Eagle vibes. Complete, a little bit of both, probably. Yeah, probably a little bit of both. Less personality and more severe. Completely understandable. I don't want to mess up your schedule. How about 10 o'clock? That would be fine. Has your office changed since Jonathan ran away with us circus freaks? No, it has not. Okay, that's That's good. They haven't moved you. I remember when in, in in fourth year when they moved your office and and you weren't happy about that. I you uh, you know, you know you, we kind of we did so many so many hot squats that uh-huh. the, the, during and that Bernie's week. And Bernie's gonna put that, a hand. That up. was great. She's gonna tippy toe up to your face <laughs> and close her mouth and lips, and she's gonna say, "You know, he saved countless lives." And shrug, and she's going to grab you and try to walk away. She's like, we'll see you tomorrow at 10. Thank you so much. See you, Professor. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> it's been an experience. Yes. Yes. And Bernie, and Bernie just looks at you. She's like, are you kidding me? Are you- I'm sorry. Like, I just, you know, with Professor Wood, it was always a very, like, positive experience. And, like, Professor Chugas just, he, he teaches a different way. And, like... I don't know. I feel like I let him down, but I I don't know how to. Jonathan Mandelbaum doesn't know how to deal with that. I thought you were in love with Professor Wood, but oh my god! Uh, at this point, you've rejoined Carlton and Travancore. She looks at Carlton. She goes, "I know what you did, and I'm going to throw every chocolate covered raisin in this city in a 
lawyer for what you did to me. How how many teeth did you pull out? <laughs> and at this point, enough for a set of dentures. Professor Wood <laughs> swoops in, and the party is 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 coming to an end. Let me let me call the carriage. Did you have anywhere that you were staying tonight in specific? I don't. Th- we hadn't really talked about it. Jonathan the Metamuscular, as soon as he interacts with Professor Wood, he's just like, okay, uh, we hadn't talked about it. Do, could we stay in the dorms, or would you recommend us getting an in? I would not recommend you staying in the dorms. This is certainly not private, and something tells me that you will need privacy. Uh, so, yes, unless money is a problem, I would recommend an in, or if you have other... Uh, I would... Uh, I would offer to give you space in in my home, but I already have some guests, and it would be very awkward. So no, we, we wouldn't uh, want to impose. We could stream you know, we, I've have enough awkward to cover. Really, the next seven Child years. Child the magic musculars eye twitches. Oh, yeah. you talked to oh, you talked to Jeffrey, didn't you? What yep. would give you that impression? Uh, the eye twitching would give you. <laughs> that oh impression. yeah, this this whole thing. <laughs> 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 I I know a pretty comfortable. Oh, good. Okay. I can drop you off anywhere or if there's somewhere in specific you need to be. But um, let, let, let me get you to the carriage. And, and she's going to lead you back out to the front and go flag down the carriage from the waiting area. What would you like to do for your accommodations for the evening? We're going to go to the Temple of Bay because they have dorms, which are really comfy. And Bernie knows someone there. She does. She and does know someone it's there. It's a large city, so it's a very, very large temple with a lot of accommodations. And you are always, as a member of the Temple of Bay, able to plead accommodations for you and a reasonable number of guests. Okay. And. You you have an idea of where the temple it's called the Temple of Integrity here in town. And the professor does not know exactly where that is, but the driver does. And so she instructs as you all enter back into the carriage, she instructs the driver to swing by the Temple of Integrity to drop you all off as she is going to then return home. For expediency's sake, it is it is late at night and it doesn't take that long in the horse-drawn carriage and your fancy outfits to reach the the temple to bay. And what you find is that it's it's a small building. It's not actually very flashy at all. It is on it the looks, outside. Yes. On the outside, it looks like a house. It kind of looks like a two-story, relatively modern, neverwinter house, comfortable, but nothing fancy. Uh, there is a a stylized symbol to Queen Bay on the front door, and there are some, the windows are just normal windows. They're not stained glass or anything. And Professor Wood, as you all get out of the carriage, she looks at the temple and she says, okay, well... I'll see you in the morning. You, If you need help getting back to the academy, I can help with that. But you know where that is. And if, if you have any other requests for anything, I'll be around at the, the college all day. But let me know if you need anything else. It was so lovely to spend time with all of you. And I'll see you tomorrow. And she will, unless there's anything you want to say to her, get back in the carriage and take off. I was just going to say, I had a good time with the opera. Thanks for taking us. That was my absolute pleasure. I hope it made memories to last a lifetime. It was wonderful. Swoop back into the carriage and trot on off. And you are standing in front of the Temple of Integrity. What would you like to do? Uh, um, Here we go. Bernie's going to walk up and she's going to knock on the door. Okay. As you walk up to the door... I'll say before you even knock, you do notice that there's actually a piece of paper lying on the ground at the foot of the door. And it looks like it was maybe nailed to the front door or it was, you know, stuck up there with some sticky tack or something. <gasps> it's fallen off. Sorry. Are you? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. Nope. 
Trevor Queen didn't say that. Jack said that. Oh, <laughs> okay. That. I didn't know if that was in character or not, because I was going to be like, what kind of monster are you expecting to fight? <laughs> Lutherans, no. Uh, <laughs> and- oh, God, no. Martin so- Luther. So you notice this piece of paper. It's obviously just fallen down. It looks like a half sheet. Did you want to ignore it and just knock? or? Re- oh, no. Bernie's picking up the paper. Okay. You pick it up and you turn it over and it is a handwritten note that says, like every other night, fighting at the fist and cheer. And there's a dash and it says, Cleo. <sighs> and that's where we'll pick it up next time. as. You've arrived at the Temporal of Integrity, but uh, Cleo, Patricia, Boulder down. They're not there right now. They're somewhere else. Let me give you some experience for A Night at the Opera. Part two, Electric Boogaloo. And next time we get together. Part two, Aria Boogaloo. We get the Boogaloos. Uh, Four raisins. For all of the raisins, for uh, attempting to stealth the raisins, and then for later successfully stealthing out of a, a very awkward conversation. Nope. Yep. <laughs> Homer Hedges. <laughs> I'm gonna burn every every raisin in the city. I'm just yep. gonna throw it into a. I'm gonna go into bakeries. There's gonna be a series of weird break-ins where they don't think anything was taken because it's raisins. And I'll help because diplomatic immunity. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works on <laughs> No, Sword that's Coast. not how that works. Let me tell you. No, but I, I like the Travancore thing so. Speaking of Travancore, <laughs> also a variety of standing ovations and for swooping through the the after party with the grace and aplomb of a noble who is used to that kind of thing. Uh, also, Bernie and Jonathan suffering through what is probably the most awkward conversation ever of all time. And uh, suffering through me just staring at them impassively through the camera for about great. five minutes. That was great. That was so helpful. Let me, let me tell you, Lauren, I anybody listening who did sorority rush and then went into a sorority and did rush from the sorority end, that was reminiscent of conversations I've had. Yeah. I have asked open-ended questions that cannot be answered with a yes or no, and I have gotten a yes or no answer. Yep. You gave me horrible, horrible flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some people do body horror. Some people do horror in 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 ways in, that are uh, more like a horror movie. I offer incredibly awkward conversations. That's that's my horror, and I'm sticking to it. But for all of that, I'm going to give you a total of 6,500 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, it is the middle of the night at the Temple of Integrity, and somebody's fighting at the fist and cheer. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash dungeondrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Christopher Waterston, Linnea Boyev, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.